Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, it's State of State. We got your Nittany Line update. It's a football discussion with Tom and Justin. So kick back and press play. With former Penn State and NFL defensive back Justin King, I'm Tom Hannafin. This is State of State. This podcast is presented by Bet Online. The big game is set. San Francisco and Kansas City will collide in Vegas. Bet Online has you covered with all the up to the second odds, news, and scores for the big championship game. Plus, Bet Online is all the action for the NBA, the NHL, combat sports, and more. Head to Bet Online today and remember to use our promo code BELIEVE. That's B L E A V for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. State of State is presented by Bet Online, where the game starts. Are you looking for a higher potential return on your savings? Turn to our sponsor, SAVE. As an SEC-registered investment advisor, SAVE safely combines the best parts of saving and investing with its market savings program. Market savings is a savings product that provides you with market returns instead of interest. The returns come from diversified investment portfolios based on your individual investment profile. The return from the investments is paid to you at the end of the selected investment term. But... Investing comes with risk, right? Well, with SAVE, your deposit is FDIC insured and never used for any investments. The current variable APYs are 9.07% for the one-year product and 7.9% for the five-year product. So what does this cost you? Well, SAVE only charges a fee when your investments make you money. To learn more or to sign up, visit www.joinsave.com slash state. That's joinsave.com slash state. The link to the website is in the description of this podcast. State of State invites you to join Save. We are into the doldrums of winter when it comes to Penn State football, and we have some updates which are rather interesting regarding the future of Beaver Stadium, in addition to the Penn State football coaching staff, and also uh, some news in terms of what's happening with the spring football schedule and the blue-white game. The kickoff time has been announced, some little things like that, and some star evaluations for the incoming class of 2024. Lots to get to today. Again, like, comment, subscribe turn on notifications and rate us thank you for following us on all our social media platforms x instagram and tiktok at state of state pod justin i'd like to start off with the news that broke uh, shortly before we started recording this we're recording this tuesday this goes out wednesday as usual is that the 700 million dollar renovation plan for beaver stadium is 30 percent completed and will get underway after the completion of the 2024 Penn State football season. And it's been said by the Penn State Athletic Department that if Penn State hosts a college football playoff game, that Beaver Stadium will be able to accommodate that home game in State College. And then the construction on the west side of the stadium will begin immediately after. This will affect, first off, the west side of the nearly 64-year-old facility in 2025 and 2026, uh, there's a great article on Sports Illustrated by Mark Wogenrich. Uh, we're going to put that in the description of this podcast for those of you that would like to read more. But this is something that's been talked about for a little while. And frankly, if you've been to Beaver Stadium in the last 
20 years, you probably could have guessed like, hey, this place could use a facelift. They could use a little revamping and some modernization, so to speak. But $700 million, Justin, it's a big number. It's a big number. Guess what they call it? That's what they call the sports business, right? On the capital project side. I mean, that is nothing to sneeze at. We think of $700 million over four years. But it, you're right. It is kind of due when you look at Penn State Stadium versus some of the other competitors across the country. I know one of the ones that they were looking at before was Texas A&M and just the way Cal Field set up with the brick exterior, just different avenues. Notice some safety issues into that. And that is a huge number, especially on the back ends of this new landscape of NIL. We're trying to figure out a salary cap to find the best players. So we we are playing games in the in the playoffs. So it's interesting to see how the um, money is going to be allocated across the university. Obviously, we got to get the stadium taken care of, but uh, to what extent or is that money going to flow or if there's going to be any just mentality shift in how we use the money and capital to players throughout the transfer portal or even out of high school at the top level so i mean it's just going to be interesting for people that you know support the renovations of beaver stadium versus the ones that are against the players getting paid or just the proper way of handing over some cash flow it's why the upcoming board of trustees vote is so important and we've had uh, Brandon Short on the podcast very recently to discuss you know, his nomination. He's running once again, but this is a step forward. But then there are plenty of fans that look at this and it's like, well, why is the football program crying for NIL funds? Crying is a strong verb. I think that's probably incorrect, but still looking <laughs> for more contributions from the Penn State community. Uh, Happy Valley United is trying to be as active as they possibly can and just looking for different avenues. And I think even the comments of Pat Kraft very recently saying that this is a athletic department that would love to host an outdoor hockey event inside Beaver Stadium. Everybody's seen the NHL Winter Classic. This guy would love to see Penguins versus Flyers in Beaver Stadium. I think that'd be great for the state of Pennsylvania and a lot of fun. Hell, I'd love to see a pro wrestling event in Beaver Stadium, but I'm biased. There's a lot of different things that this athletic department can do to monetize Beaver Stadium and They've done things like that. I believe at one point Top Golf had a, a brief residency within Beaver Stadium. Uh, there's a, a major country concert coming up. The name of the artist escapes me. But this stadium has for a long time just lied dormant for whole chunks of the year. And part of that used to be Joe Paterno saying nobody can step on the field except for the football team. Things have changed, and obviously the pandemic affected a lot of things. But it does draw questions from Penn State football fans, Justin. It was like, wow, we have $700 million to revamp our stadium, which needs it. I agree with that point. However, then you're looking at, well, well, what about the product that's going on the field? Is that going to suffer? I mean, it all comes down to where the money's coming from. I think that's the only thing the fans care about. Like, are you going to be asking us to tighten up our, our parking passes or the ticket, um, the tickets each game, are they going up and things of that nature? That's not affected. Probably yes. And then that's where you'll have the issue of the problems, right? Or just more reluctant um, attitudes of paying players or donating money towards uh, collectives in that realm. Even though, you know, if you care about the team and different things of that nature, you got to look at 
the areas of that that you value and where you have to pay. I don't think there's going to be an option when it comes to ticket prices and the parking when it's to, to fund the different things with the university or just the institutional donors that have been um, financing college sports forever. I'm sure that they're going to tap those pockets. I mean, there's some different tax implications in that and that bucket but it, it's a very interesting time of like where is the asset allocation going because i mean we have a one of the high one of the higher paid coaches i know people complain about james's salary we know that we need players throughout the transfer portal to make sure that they're on the team we need a new stadium and it's just like okay well we got to make up the make up our minds as a complete university ecosystem of like hey if this is where we're investing money we need to be looking to money get get money out and just get off of the fence and just jump in like okay this is where we're going to be spending money it's almost point of like if we're going to be seven, spending 700 million dollars on the uh athletic department or on the stadium we better make sure we spend 800 to make sure everything else is making sense so that investment in the beaver stadium makes sense at the end of the day right so uh, it, it's kind of one of those things where it pushes everyone off of the fence i mean right we can see how this board of trustees vote goes where it's directing some of those I can't even say where it's directing the funds but where the i don't say say the pressure or i guess where the locks are unlocked for people to spend money right i think that's where they come in from that standpoint but NIO is important, talent acquisition is important, and the facilities are important. So I think we got a lot of things on the forefront and just got to get off of, again, off of the fence as a university ecosystem of this is where the money's coming in, so this is where we need to invest. You talked about the alignment of the Ohio State football program, past and present members, the donation by C.J. Stroud as a great example of things that other schools could be doing namely Penn State. Um, it's a Luke Combs who is performing uh, at Beaver Stadium scheduled for April 27th. So obviously there is a move uh, from the university to try and do some different things with Beaver Stadium. Uh, just to reiterate some plans, uh, this is from directly from the Sports Illustrated article. Uh, Pat Kraft said in December that the design was about 30% completed and a company called Populous expects to deliver the renovation plans this summer. Demolition will begin at Beaver Stadium after the 2024 season, as I mentioned. According to a project bid description, Penn State plans to demolish and remove the stadium's west sideline structure in two phases after the 24 and 25 seasons. Construction will impact seating during the 2025 and 2026 football seasons, though Kraft has said he expects the seating loss to be minimal. Beaver Stadium's new west side will include significant additions of premium seating, including planned suites, club seats, and uh, log bo lodge boxes. That would make more sense. And box, let's go with that. L-O-G-E? What word is that? <laughs> I'm not sure. It's not a log box. Nobody's having a yeah. fire in there. So let's go with boxes. Well, let's go with that. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> new restrooms and concession spaces and improved circulation. Penn State plans to complete the renovation for the 2027 season and intends to maintain Beaver Stadium's capacity above 100,000. So this additional seating could get Penn State from 107,000 to about 110,000. So uh, that's where all this is going. As someone whose family has season tickets, uh, my expectation is that in 2025, 2026, that price is going to go up because if seats are going down, again, supply versus demand, uh, that, that's an unfortunate, uh, unfortunate aspect of this is that 
inadvertently the fans are going to be asked to, to shell out more kind of the point that you were saying. So uh, that that's a downside. I think if you're a Penn state football fan, it's a plus though, because this stadium, as I mentioned, desperately needs it. I have multitude of friends that work in the sports media world, both in front of and behind the camera, those behind the camera consistently have told me about the things that Beaver stadium uh, presents in terms of challenges for broadcast television, uh, challenges for people just simply working there. And that if you've ever been up to the press box, it's an enormous elevator all the way to the top and that might not go away, but it's like, Hey, there's still all these changes that need to be made because if people do love Beaver stadium, it is our Mecca Beaver stadium needs to take a step into the future because otherwise you don't want to run into something where it gets knocked over and they put in some gaudy monstrosity that looks nothing like Beaver Stadium or doesn't look anything like what the Penn State community would expect. I think the model that you mentioned what Texas A&M did with Kyle Field, for those that don't know, Kyle Field was around for years and years and years. They knocked it down and they basically built its aesthetic duplicate right next to it so that it looks virtually the same except the the guts so to speak modern brand new all those things now the texas a&m money is significant i think that's been explored heavily in the last few years so <laughs> i'm thrilled to hear what they're doing but it does make you sit there and be like hmm if this is a four-year plan what's the likelihood that some regulation and some law and order comes to the world of NIL in that four-year span so that this spending for the football stadium isn't so big of a deal because, oh, all of a sudden, maybe within that time between now and 2027, they're like, hey, we figured it out on the NIL front. Here's a cap. Here's what you can do. Here's some transparency. Salary cap. You know, it would only make sense that it should happen pretty quickly, <laughs> especially with the conference realignment. I, I, something's going to happen because, I, I mean, we're seeing more NCAA violations starting to come down with little suits or little uh, investigations. You see UF and Tennessee, where it's just kind of a clown show, to be completely honest, because how can you police the Wild Wild West? You can't really do it. I mean, unless guys are, I mean, everybody's rules are different, so you really can't do it. So with that being said, I would put my money on some type of, reorganization of the rules so that this $700 million doesn't really affect anything when it comes to talent acquisition and players, but it's just strictly boosting up the infrastructure that Penn state has to forge forward in this new professional college football uh, space mm -hmm. <laughs> that we're about to play in. Uh, the near future for Beaver Stadium, however, when it comes to the football program, will involve the annual blue-white game, which is going to go down on April 13th. That now has a 2 p.m. Eastern kickoff time. I don't believe the network has been announced. Usually winds up on ESPN or Big Ten Network. One of those two. So that is uh, at least on the calendar. So all of us have something to look forward to. And then I believe the spring practice schedule kicks off on March 12th. So the football team is allotted uh, a total of 15 practices. The blue-white game is considered the 15th practice. So that'll start on March 12th and it'll culminate on April 13th. So that is set upcoming right now. Obviously, we're in the midst of winter workouts. So everybody is certainly looking forward to seeing what this team could be once we get to spring ball and the blue-white game. 
an addition to the coaching staff that you and I talked about, and I was sure that you would be excited about. His former Penn State defensive back, Jordan Lucas, has joined the Penn State football program after having a very successful career in the National Football League, won a Super Bowl with the Kansas City Chiefs, and he is now a recruiting coordinator. And this is eerily similar to something that one Justin King did once upon a time. You and I have talked about this off air in terms of what your job was like, but what is Jordan Lucas's job about to look like? It should be pretty fun, especially with, again, I can't talk about recruiting and not mention an NIL aspect. I'm not really sure where he'll fit in in that, but I think he'll be one of the first eyes on prospects, presenting them to the staff, making sure that he keeps up with the relationships, making sure everything is flowing through, whether it's updates, things with the families. But now when we start talking about that asset allocation, I wonder if there's any value placed on the players that you're actually recruiting, because that's, a, I think, a key thing in recruiting sometimes was when you're spending. I mean, we weren't paying players. It was more about where you're spending your time on the value of players that coming in the building. So kind of leveraging all those different things out is going to be um, his 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 challenge coming from Marshall's the GA over there on the defensive side of the football. So I think it's a good fit and a great hire by James. I mean, I think it's proven that hiring guys that have had specifically defensive backs, myself, Alan Zemitis, and now Jordan Lucas coming in there to make a make a splash. There's something to be said when you're recruiting and it's not necessarily a story that you're trying to remember or a fact sheet and you're just telling your actual life story. And when you played in the NFL, he's won the Super Bowl. He's transitioned out of the NFL and got into coaching. And then when you can say, hey, and this is the place that gave me my start to begin my football career. Now they're giving me another opportunity here. There is no better sell when it comes to the recruiting process than actual testimony or like you're the the true testimonial is your life. And like they're seeing the evidence of it. I mean, it's, it's impactful with Ty Howell, with Deion Barnes, with my pops, Ghost Jerry Smith, now with Jordan Lucas, with Alan Zemitis. And there's no reason why there's been a intake or uptick in the type of players that Penn State have been getting in this new uh, NIL era. But we have to still amp up the cash because got to get some of those guys that cost some money too. State of State is a proud supporter of Blue White Outfitters. Blue White Outfitters was created as a retail shop meant to highlight the confidence, competitiveness, and fearlessness of the elite athletes found throughout the history of Penn State University. Check out their Lockdown U and Lawn Boys merchandise today. All sales from Blue White Outfitters directly benefit Penn State student-athletes. Visit www.bluewhiteoutfitters.com today. Yes, uh, it's it's always nice to see former Letterman involved in the program. Um, speaking of which, not to cycle back to the story about the uh, Beaver Stadium renovation, but speaking of former Penn State football Letterman, uh, the company I mentioned, Populous, uh, in the Sports Illustrated article is a Kansas City-based design firm. Uh, Scott Radicic uh, is the senior principal and founder of Populous, and he's a Penn State football Letterman. So there you there go. There we go. Everything's always connected circle. somewhere, man. Keep always. it in the family. It's perfect. Uh, in regard to Jordan Lucas, uh, the man and the former player at Penn State and in the pros, uh, what did you think of Jordan? It's funny. I think Jordan is one of the first reports that I wrote when I got out of the NFL, like right in doing some consulting work. But I always thought he was a, a fabulous football player just in terms of just the aggressiveness in which he played. He goes a corner safety position flex type of player. And a lot of, uh, I would say, like, play with a lot of aggression, always looking for the big plays, but he was a good-sized corner. And he was in that frame of 
um, player that was kind of held over from OB when a new staff came in. So I remember him getting situated with um, Coach Smith and Coach Franklin as those guys were coming in and really performing. I mean, getting drafted in, I want to say, like the fifth round or the fifth or sixth round or something like that and winning on Super Bowl. But one of those defensive backs that kind of started the lockdown U trend, to be completely honest, at Penn State moving forward in this since 2010 and on. Jordan Lucas was a sixth round pick in 2016. Had a very nice career altogether, as I mentioned, won a Super Bowl. So, and guess who's back in the Super Bowl this year? The freaking Kansas City Chiefs. So, <laughs> so there you go. Figuring something out. They're, they mm-hmm. they've got it got it cooking. They're doing all right. So uh, that's what's going on with the coaching staff. And as I mentioned, uh, some updates in regards to star rankings, which I know you and I just love. Uh, For some of the members of Penn State's incoming 2024 class, who many of which are already on campus, this is according to our dear friends at Blue White Illustrated, offensive lineman Cooper Cousins has been elevated to be a full-fledged five-star. Wonderful. Okay. Cornerback John. There you go. Cornerback John Mitchell, four star. Luke Reynolds at tight end, four star. Reynolds has a lot of promise. Not that Penn State's brought in brought in bad tight ends at all for the last decade plus. <laughs> uh, offensive lineman Garrett Sexton, four star. Defensive end Malachi Williams, four star. Ethan Grunkemeyer, four star. Uh, four star quarterback. Very curious to see how Grunkemeyer fits into this quarterback room, and I want to get to that a little bit more in a minute. A defensive lineman, Liam Andrews, four-star. Athlete, Quinton Martin, four-star. Some flexibility there. And then safety, I hope I do not butcher his name, Vabue Toure, four-star. I'm sure I butchered it. But there's <laughs> the positivity of those rankings is that you and I talk about this all the time, is that, ah, oh, they're bright and shiny, no pun intended. And it's great that Cousins, for instance, got elevated to a five-star. But it's, uh, you know, prove it. I mean, it's always proven, right? I think the the cool thing with these high school players, uh, the one avenue where the ratings actually come in is when you start dealing with trading card companies, whether you want to do like a little NIL deal, because they go based off of the rate, those rankings to determine how much your card will sell for and things of that nature. So that's a little interesting game that's kind of coming up now. But Penn State has been historically one point about finding players and them rising through the rankings as guys continue to get evaluated throughout the country and they put out more film. I mean, you just listed off a lot of guys that essentially got that fourth star or that fifth star. And that comes a long time when they play that senior season and those updated films come out and you're really doing that last evaluation from like the two, four, seven and the different writers and Penn state has done a good job. So that's more so, Kudos to them on the early identification and landing the players outside of the rankings and let the rankings kind of adhere to what they took. You know what I mean? We're obviously still in that phase where it's like, hey, the the new guys are getting acclimated to campus, whether that's incoming members of the 2024 class or transfer portal guys. But what are you hearing overall from the program right now? Anything noteworthy? Anybody that's standing out? No, nothing right now. They just got started with off-season workouts, those early morning boys. But, like, I think James and the coaching staff does a good job of posting who the hard workers are in those morning workouts. I haven't seen that, but that's about to start now. So you can get a good, a good, a good feel on who's focused and how people are competing through the off-season. 
granted, it's not a football out there. So I was actually one of the players that used to hate when coaches did that. So I'm like, man, come run a route. I don't care about this tire pool. But there's a level of competitiveness and guys that are coming in with a, a level of uh, intensity that you like to hear and see how the younger guys are performing and competing in the offseason. So I'm looking forward to seeing what the different coaches are putting out on a weekly basis. Beautiful. I mentioned quarterback Ethan Grunkemeyer coming to campus. There's a lot of hype around him. The talk about Grunkemeyer that I've seen in watching his tape a little bit is that he is a more mobile version, I guess, of Drew Aller. Um, and that might not even be a direct comparison. Just a more mobile quarterback altogether and has a better arm, better passer skills than a Bo Perbula. But you still have to throw him into the mix and see how he does. And you and I were talking about it pretty extensively in our last episode with Mike Poorman from statecollege.com is that, you know, there's fans talking about, man, we want to see more of Bo Perbula. And then obviously you and I and most people that follow the team understand Drew Auer will be the guy in 2024 under center. But now that you add Grunkemeyer into the mix, and let's not forget about Jackson Smolik, who was a true freshman this past year, and James Franklin usually had positive things to say about the kid. Grunkemeyer is an interesting addition because I remember a few years ago, once Aller and Perbula and uh, Christian Veyer were in the program behind Sean Clifford, you kind of knew you're like, one of these three guys between Aller, Perbula, and Veyer is not going to be here next year. Sure enough, it's Veyer. He transfers to Pitt, attempts to be the starter there. So now it's looking at this group of quarterbacks, and it's like, man, there will be some competition. And it's not that I have any doubt that Drew Aller is going to be the starting quarterback in September, but I, I, I'm curious to see, and I am hopeful to see, that Grunkemeyer and Perbula, at the very least, and Smolik, but Perbula and Grunkemeyer make it difficult on Drew Aller. Do you think there's any reasonable pressure on Aller at this point internally in that quarterback room? I think there's pressure in college football every year at this point. They're always competing, especially when, again, you have a new offensive coordinator. And last year, the guy got fired. Not necessarily based on your play, but there was there's signs of something being rocky on the offensive side of the football. Mm -hmm. So with that being said, I don't think anybody on offense has the luxury of being comfortable. Everyone should be coming out ready to compete. And one of the core values of the program is competing. So I know that there, there's a there's a strong emphasis on creating an environment that yours you should be ready to compete. So with that being said, I don't think again there it is anybody at, even at the quarterback position that is quote unquote safe, even though we know going into the off season that it's Drew's position to lose. Understood. I am very interested to see how Grunkemeyer and Perbula do through spring ball. And as this year progresses, because I don't necessarily think, like I just said, I don't think either of them is going to unseat Drew Aller, but I wouldn't hate seeing them push the guy, which I'm sure will happen organically. Uh, just to wrap up here, Justin, looking around the conference, Sharon Moore is now officially the head coach of the Michigan Wolverines, and that was something you and I expected. We were talking about it with Porman last week. Meanwhile, Ohio State continues to spend buckets of money. Uh, there continues to be this exodus from Washington, and Jed Fish, the new head coach of the Washington Huskies, is doing whatever he can to try and keep that program intact. Uh, with Halen DeBoer going off to Alabama and a lot of players from that national championship team going to Tuscaloosa. 
So there's been some movement around the conference. I was curious what you thought about Sharon Moore solidifying that head coaching job, and does that keep things calm in Ann Arbor? I think it does. I mean, it would have been hard not to hire him based on the job that he's done when he stepped into the head coaching role, based on his job that he's done and from an offensive coordinator perspective as the offensive line coach where they've had – successes in their talent acquisition through the portal and production wise when we talk about the run game and how they like their identity of the team he's a core piece of that now with losing their strength and conditioning coach and their defensive coordinator and things of that nature it's going to be interesting to see if he puts that thing back together but he i think he has the building blocks and different cornerstones to keep that train pushing he has the profile former player that made that transition off understand the tactical aspects of becoming a coach and rose up at a place like Michigan and learned the way of the, the, the how they do things under someone like a, a coach Harbaugh, which is extremely beneficial. So for a coach to leave and say that there's another guy in the wings that should take over the head coaching spot speaks volumes because it's somebody that they're dealing with on a daily basis, championship level coach. Yeah, my not hopefully he does a good job, just not against Penn State. <laughs> That's the idea. <laughs> um, I thought I had one last question for you. I got another one for you because you mentioned the portal. Uh, the portal will open up again in the springtime. Looking at Penn State's roster now and based on what you're hearing, do you expect Penn State to be active when the portal opens up again? I think it's going to be dependent on these new coaching hires who jumps in the portal from these teams. I think it's one of a, a, a neat type of basis, and I don't think there's any glaring holes going into this transfer portal time period based on how we signed some players last time and just the philosophy and signing 24 or 25 players coming out of high school. That's more the route that Penn State has been going. So until that changes, I don't see anything unless just something falls in our lap. Most positions of need seem to have been addressed in this past portal cycle, but there's always more out there and you never know how things can change. Obviously what we just said within the Big Ten, it's just it's constantly moving. Um, thank you know. all yeah, you never know. Thank you all so much for joining us again. Like, comment, subscribe, turn on notifications. Check us out on X, Instagram, and TikTok at State of State Pod. And let us know what you guys are thinking about in regard to the Beaver Stadium renovations. Are you looking forward to the blue-white game? What you think about Jordan Lucas getting added to the staff? The potential quarterback competition? There's a lot of stuff to possibly dive into in the winter months. Thank you all so much for joining us. This episode and our entire library of shows is available now on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Also, let us know what you think of the show on social media and check out all of our content on X, Instagram, and TikTok. Search for the handle at State of State Pod. State of State is presented by Bet Online and by Blue White Outfitters. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.